Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwell, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwell, the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, um, I feel almost stupid bringing this up because I don't have what I feel like I need to have to to do this. Uh-huh. You're often wandering into a conflict without the tools necessary. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight, but do you want to have a card war? Yes. We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Maybe this trick can bring us some luck. That nonsense is centuries behind us. War! We're going to war! Ben, it's been so long. Yeah, it's been a long time. We, uh... Have a long-standing tradition of opening up packs of trading cards on the show. I feel like a, a tradition that probably drives people crazier and crazier every time we do it because trading cards have gotten so much more valuable over the years. That's right. There's a whole industry made of people buying expensive sports card packs, opening them on TikTok, and then like right. screaming, <laughs> revealing the cards. <laughs> We could be making money doing that, but instead we're doing this. We don't scream enough. That's our problem. Well, the other problem is that all I've got are Star Trek customizable card game Mirror Mirror Expansion Pack decks. That's all you got. Yeah. I love digging into the box of cards that I have because it is where I keep my collection of Biff Jaegers, my natural Jaegers, if you've been... Mm listening and watching along for years. Look at this. Look at this mighty stack of them. Oh, man. My, my biff inches of yeah. cards that I got, you got here. You've got some real girth there, yeah. Adam. <laughs> I've stopped giving them away because uh, that used to be a thing that I'd, I'd give out at live shows. Yeah. And also, uh, like, I treated them as challenge coins, you know? Hey, like, let's check in on the Jaeger bubble while we're sitting here. I have an alert on the eBay... That tells me when new Jaegers are posted. Wow. <laughs> and uh, there was one posted recently. Looks like the current bid is sixty nine sixty five. Nice. Now I'm going to go ahead and bump that up to sixty nine sixty nine. Yeah, why not? Oh, I've been outbid. I've been outbid already. <laughs> it's now seventy sixty five. I think you now have to set your limit to four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put that on the Uxbridge Shimoda Amex card. Oh, shit. I withdraw my <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> you know what's too bad is this auction ends in four hours. God, if we had just pushed back our record time. A little bit further. We could have done this live <laughs> auction recorded to tape. Wow. That would have been some screaming, right? I mean, that's that's the screaming people expect when they in- engage in card content. Yeah, so... To answer your question, there are a handful of these on eBay all the time. Because they were like 10 bucks when you when you bought the, the bulk of the Jaegers, right? There is one on here pretty much permanently listed at $500. <laughs> uh, and I'm seeing like a half a dozen others in the 70 to 80 to $50 range. 
Wow. And just to recap, this was a card that was worth less than $5 before yeah. I created the Jaeger bubble. And now look at it. If this podcast has one legacy... <laughs> I was making something worthless, valuable years ago before <laughs> NFTs were even yeah. a, a dream and some tech bros ball sack. Yeah. Biff Yeager should have a, an octagonal avatar on Twitter <laughs> going forward just because of the Yeager bubble. Well, it sounds like you're walking into this card war with one arm tied behind your back. I still have this stack of Deep Space Nine cards, Ben. Those are the sticky ones, right? The, yeah, the uh, <laughs> even the ones that I've opened, they stick back together. What the hell? Uh, yeah, I don't get it. You and think that these card companies would know how to print stuff. <laughs> I kind of just wanted to open them all. Because wow. the promise to this is like the autographed card, and I've never gotten a Deep Space Nine autograph card since opening these. Okay, fuck the war. Just open, just just blow the the whole stack Let's see if we get some autographs. Let's see if we get a patch of uniform fabric. How many packs do you have? Uh, 14. Okay, so 14 let's see. 14 nine-card packs. You would think that in whatever nine times 14 is, there would be some good... No one's ever figured that out. <laughs> I didn't... I didn't... Uh, I went to school in the, in the late 80s and early 90s. I don't know the new math. I can't do that kind of thing on the fly in my head. Yeah, let's just hang out and open up a bunch of cards. That sounds fun. Yeah. Do you want to uh, stream this on TikTok or? Oh, and just start screaming? Tell you what, <laughs> if I get an autographed card, I will start screaming. This is a very fun card called the Wormhole that's got uh, Ben Cisco with his eyes closed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's when he finds a, a prophet in the desert. Yeah. Nearly kills his old old dad on a desert adventure. That was big fun. Poor dad. No autographs, no pieces of uniform there. The highlight probably being the wormhole. Like, what's the dream? What's the garment? I'll tell you what the garment is. I want a Jake Sisko patch of clothing. <laughs> How amazing would that be? Hey, hey Ben, listen. Ew. <laughs> Just uh, busting the cards up so that they're free to shuffle. Does busting make you feel good? Always does. It's sad. These uh, these cards are so sticky. That's probably why they're close to worthless on eBay. Yeah. Is the is the signature getting transferred onto the back of the card that it's pressed against? Here's something that uh, you could do while I'm opening cards. Is is there a, a, a Star Trek Voyager collectible card situation out there that also gives us the chance of autographs or pieces of clothing or whatnot? Because that would be fun. That would be fun. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the idea. What I'm finding in my, in my search results is a lot of um, pre-assembled, like a binder with all of the cards in it. Oh, for... just like someone else's collection? Yeah, somebody else's collection for $2,400. Tell you what card I just got that would, had we been playing Card War, would have been the Trump card, is Tom Riker Returns. Nothing's beaten Tom Riker Returns. Oh, man. Tell you what, though, Ben, uh, another card that could have also been called The Wormhole. Yeah. It's too bad that that picture of him doesn't have him pe peeling facial hair off. 
It's a visual I'll never forget for the rest of my life. That was fucking incredible. Okay, this is a Star Trek Voyager Season 1 trading card sealed box with 24 jumbo packs. Oh. You like the jumbo pack uh, because it's uh, it's thicker and more absorbent? I guess so. Plus one embossed crew card and a tattoo. It must be like a temporary tattoo included in the in the pack. What if there were a, a square on the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, that was get a tattoo? <laughs> now that I'm Jewish, I don't think I could uh, do that because it might upset my ability to be buried next to my wife. Did you know that going in? That not getting tattoos was the price of marrying this woman? <laughs> Did you really like dramatically hem and haw in front of your fiance at that point? Mm-hmm. About that being yeah. a difficult thing to sacrifice? Probably the hardest fight we've ever had <laughs> as a couple. <laughs> no, I never I never wanted a tattoo. I've I've never um not been embarrassed by my past self. So I know that any any tattoo I got would turn into a source of great shame very quickly. You know what's hilarious to me about the idea of you and your wife being uh, buried next to each other is that I also know that she totally spread out into your plot. <laughs> yeah, she would roll over and steal the coffin from my side of the plot. <laughs> yep. Uncomfortable forever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you think a joke like that would play well uh, were I to eulogize you? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I want you to speak at my wedding, and I want you to do that bit. Okay. I have. Uh, did I say wedding? I meant funeral. <laughs> you did. You did, and I think that's an interesting slip of the tongue there. Yeah, no Maybe, As if they're both equivalent in your mind? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I got a very special card. Oh, yeah? It's called Tane's Raid. <laughs> Inibrintane? Uh The very same. Uh, it is a very foily-looking card. It's a little thicker than the rest. Oh, boy. Uh, look, at those, look at those reflective phaser beams. Yeah. Yeah, who could forget Tane's Raid? The Tane's Raid, of course, occurs between the wormhole and Deep Space Nine. Right, yeah. Taint the station, taint the <laughs> yeah. Temple of the Prophets. I'm burning through these card packs here, Ben. And nary a signature. No signature and no clothing. This seems so fucked up. It's such a tease. Kids went in and and spent their hard-earned birthday card money on these cards. Yeah, yeah. With the promise of an article of clothing from Alita. Wow. What, What little clothing there could be made into a card by that character. That's a. That's why it's so rare. You know what? I answered the question, but I didn't ask it. What's the article of clothing that you would want in a card context like this? I don't want it to be stinky is the thing. <laughs> like, I don't want to smell the actor that wore it. So I love um, the idea of, like, 11-year-old Ben opening up the Deep Space Nine cards and getting, like, a clipping of, like, white briefs with a corner of brown stain on it. <laughs> <laughs> Quark's oh! briefs. <laughs> uh, Adam, I found a, a set of 22 factory sealed packs from Star Trek Voyager Series 2 collector cards for 20 bucks. Should I order this for us? Are those like the original TNG cards we used to open? The No, these are like, I think these are from the era. They're not, uh, they're not like 
artful artistic posters based on the episodes. I miss those TNG cards. I know. And I wish that they the made portfolio that portfolio prints. Yeah, I wish they made that style for all the series. That would rule. I uh, I keep striking out on these DS9 cards. You know what they keep doing? Hmm. These fucking guys. Mm. In every pack, they include a paper ballot to vote for my my favorite Deep Space Nine moment of all time. <laughs> I check the box, and then I mail it in. Let's send that certified mail and see what happens. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think anybody's watching that P.O. box? Hey, listen, uh, a mail-in ballot just as real and authentic as any other kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you are still in line to tell them what your favorite part of Deep Space Nine is, they have to let you tell them. Stay in line. Down to the last pack, Ben. Oh, I got a special card here, another foil job. Oh, okay. Another All right. th- another thick boy. It is Last Stand, the greatest space battles. Oh, and this is the destruction of the Valiant. The oh. Defiant class ship. Is that the one that the uh, that the kids were? The very same, of? yeah. So I had, in total, pretty much a case of Deep Space Nine cards. Out of 126 cards, two foil cards and no signatures. What the fuck? I've separated out, like, the specials. Yeah. I have two foil space battles, one foil Ships of the Dominion War, and then this Terry Farrell kind of... uh, film cell looking cutout card weird but not an autograph huh no autograph and no clothing damn that would also be my policy if i were an athlete like walking walking through the tunnel mm -hmm. no autograph no clothing i just picture somebody listening somebody tuned into this to hear us screaming about opening a really exciting card up didn't get it yeah Starting this episode off with a huge disappointment. As it frequently goes for you and me, no screaming, no satisfaction. (sighs) Kind of a bummer. Yeah. To answer your question, I do want to get more cards headed our way. What were the ones that you decided on? It says 22 factory sealed packs, eight cards per pack. Each pack also contains a tattoo. Yeah. It says that some are autographed. Okay. It's a set autographed. Well, let's make that the next thing that we do, because it seems like, I mean, we're not going to get stuff like that in the collectible card game anymore, because those are just yeah. things to fight with. All right. I'm going to place an order, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 12, Macrocosm. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. We start in the most dangerous place in the Star Trek universe, a Mm -hmm. shuttle away from the ship. I didn't want danger to befall Neelix and the captain in this scene, but I did want it to befall the man that they are talking to in this scene. This is an alien that is meant to be really annoying to deal with. And uh, boy, did they achieve what they set out to achieve with the tack-tack. They suck! I mean, they suck, but also they are hilarious because they engage in a form of, like, vogue diplomacy. Good health, strong body, clear mind. 
Yeah, and somehow Neelix is really good at this. And you, your hospitality, your generosity, your patience. And the captain is just not interested in trying. Counsel, I assure you I intend to... Please make her quiet. Captain, please. I read a really funny thing about how this idea came about, uh-huh. which was Kate Mulgrew puts her hands on her waist often enough that it was noticed as kind of like a physical tick yeah. that she was doing. And so this was written at her. Like, <laughs> what if the thing she did the most was something that got her into diplomatic trouble? Yeah, was a middle finger in a certain context. Yeah, yeah, it's big uh, fun. That's that is very fun. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is a representative of the Tac Tac and uh, Janeway on the verge of uh, blowing it with this guy, but Neelix like seals the deal. This has been a, a three day trade mission that just the two of them went on in Aprevia, and now they're headed back to Voyager. And uh, the the opening scene after this is just kind of a a nice light hang between Neelix and Janeway. I mean. Is anything a light hang when you're stuck with Neelix on a shuttle for three days? (laughs) Do you think he assumes he's making all the food? I wonder about that. That's pretty tight quarters if he's back there, like with a camp stove. I think you got to replicate everything if you're on a Previa or smaller. I think in a runabout, you know, you've got... Yeah, you got got the room. You've got different rooms, but uh, on a Previa, it's all one... it's, It's open concept, you know? I wish so badly we had a fully developed shuttle bay situation that had all of the types in there. And and when the crew went out to make a selection, there was like garages and stuff where they all went and you could select one and go in. Because, I mean, the reason I say that is it doesn't make any sense why you would choose this type of shuttle for this type of mission, because who knows where you're sleeping? Right. Yeah. Do they have a runabout on the Voyager? I don't think they do. I don't think so either. I think that's too big. Yeah. Yeah. They had them on the D. That is a galaxy class starship. When you're rolling galaxy class, you're the flagship. You're getting all the coolest stuff first. It right. doesn't surprise yeah. me that Voyager, as a as primarily a science ship with a science mission, would get that stuff last. Yeah. That's fair. But it's a shame, you know? You know what else is fair and also a shame? Is Neelix getting promoted to ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's official. <laughs> no take backs. Yeah. Not long after this proclamation, they start scanning uh, for the Voyager, which is not at the uh, at the rally point that they agreed upon. It's about a light year away and adrift. So that is the uh, dilemma heading into opening credits. And uh, when we get back, there's a really nice shot of the shuttle pulling up to the ship kind of like almost felt like a star wars shot more than a uh, than a star trek shot you know yeah but they can't really get a sense of what's going on there's uh there's interference i like how much time goes by with so few answers right like no one's picking up the hail phone yeah. not really sure with the sensors if there's anyone even on board yeah and and like it's interesting like when they get on board it's the captain and Neelix like coming out of the shuttle bay and the direction, like the, the way the camera works and the use of music and the way it's lit, none of that really feels horror film like, mm-hmm. 
but it really was creepy. Like they're not really u- leaning on any of the tropes of creepiness from the history of cinema. This place is a tomb. But yeah. I, I was totally creeped out nonetheless. It feels like throughout this episode, it's having a hard time choosing whether or not to borrow from the Aliens franchise or make a very specific choice to reject being inspired by by yeah. those movies, you know? Yeah. It would be hard to like do it whole cloth because the Voyager is so plush relative to the Nostromo, you know? Well, I mean, your description of a Voyager which may or may not be empty and being shot like it is made me think of like the LV-426 base was a giant facility that also was ostensibly empty until they found where all the people were. I mean, there's so much in this that is taken from, from alien. And I think it's, I think it's a self-conscious homage more than just, you know, theft. But, uh, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal, Adam. I mean, not enough is made, clearly, of Janeway being stuck with Neelix as one half of a Dustbuster club. Because when (laughs) they land the shuttle in there and start walking around, I mean, it is just the two of them. And he is her backup. Yeah. And she has got to deal with that. Yeah. And it's uh, like they find, like, somebody's equipment in the hallway, meaning... Whatever happened, happened while people were just, like, going about their days. Yeah, that's the creepy stuff that starts to crop up, like, people's toolkits strewn about, like, uneaten food, an unflushed toilet. They go into Ensign Wildman's quarters, and she left the Neelix show on, and Captain Janeway just gets the heebie-jeebies, like, she was actually watching that? Ensign Wildman has left the Neelix show on, and also the breast pumps. (laughs) which suggests neelix makes the milk flow in a kind of fun way right right that's what that's what gets her going i like the the question and answer here of like why is it still playing if it was started 11 hours ago and that (laughs) question is answered when we see the screen and it's the neelix and hoda portion of the show where they're just drinking wine and just sort of shooting (laughs) the shit it's it's loose it's fun that 11th hour of the today show is always the loosest part yeah um, and then as they're watching, a little uh, a screen comes up and, the, and says, are you still watching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Press play to continue. They're interrupted by a buzzing sound they hear outside. And this is the first of many instances of this sound, which absolutely gave me the willies. Yeah. There is something primal about my reaction to this sound but i think a lot of people might have the same reaction to it it is very off-putting did you watch this on headphones or did you watch just on normal television speakers and i bet it's even worse in headphones i was thinking about watching this on headphones and i decided to not and i'm i'm really glad i didn't watch on headphones very effective buzzing so they see this buzzing thing its shadow is what they see and they see it moving around a corner and they kind of chase it down the corridor toward the transporter room. But there's nothing in the transporter room except for a hole in one of the transporter pads. It looks so much like the hole made by the xenomorph blood in Aliens. And so trained are we to regard hole as xenomorph hole that like when when it's touched, you're like, don't touch it, it's acid. (laughs) (laughs) 
Just reflexively. Yeah, yeah. I guess they didn't have uh, tricorders in Alien, so they, right. they, they didn't know what, what the chemical composition of the stuff they touched was. Right, but they did have the motion detector device, right. which kind right. of did the same thing. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving and it ain't us. So they get some like alert noises from a computer in there, and the main power is failing on the ship. The ship is, was like fine when they showed up, but it is quickly going to hell so i've got to get up to the bridge see if they can get auxiliary power on it's a weird kind of version of the how like what would happen to a city if it if all humanity were removed from it like right if you take all of the crew off of the voyager in 11 hours shit goes bad really bad <laughs> yeah like there there are so many like I don't know. I I watch that show Below Deck sometimes with my wife, and it's about like people that work on yachts, mm-hmm. and like so much of their day is just like wiping every surface down with a rag because the salt would build up and corrode everything. And yeah. If you want it to look shiny and nice, you you have to be vigilant every single day about that stuff. And yep. I bet running a starship is very similar. You know. That's why it's so important to make sure our billionaires are comfortable because they're making right. wiping jobs, and many of them. There are so many people that wouldn't be able to feed their families because they wouldn't be employed wiping things. Yeah. Won't you think of the wipers? So Neelix and Janeway uh, get on a turbo lift to go to the bridge. That makes sense as a course of action here. Get to the bridge. There's going to be answers there. Yeah. And uh, the complaints begin from Neelix Mm -hmm. about the temperature primarily. Yeah, it's too damn hot. The, uh, I guess they're not they're not like venting heat into the cosmos because of uh, the power being out. And uh, as they're on their way up, some more of this fly fly noise happens outside the turbo lift. It sounds like our guest just brought a few friends. They get stuck, and then like a poker pokes through the door and squirts goo all over Neelix's decolletage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you probably have a tab of this kind of video content just open on your computer all the time, right? Only when I have headphones in, Adam. Yeah. This is a horrifying moment, but maybe more horrifying to me was the choice Neelix makes in not taking off his shirt. That looks like a jacket, right? Like, he's got to have something on underneath that. Right, and it made me think, like, Neelix is very comfortable taking off his footwear and showing us his bare feet. I was waiting for him to take off his shirt and show us whatever's going on under there. Maybe it's a, a garment that you have to pull off over your head, though. And if you're thinking about a, a bunch of goo on the front of your shirt, if you have to pull that off over your head, that's going to get all over your face, Ugh. like, inevitably. Yeah, that's fair. God. So. I don't know, but like kind of a long time passes with Neelix just covered in alien snot. They did a great job with the continuity on this. Like like a few shots later, they're crawling down uh, Jeffrey's tube and it, that stuff is dripping onto the floor yeah. as they go. And I was like, wow, they like re-gooed his shirt every time. I mean, Neelix has a pretty high tolerance for this, way higher than mine. I yeah. mean, my rule is I take off a garment covered in anything. And it doesn't have to be alien snot for me to do that. Ugh. Yeah. It's so gross. I've seen it. I've seen it happen, folks. Like a, a single drop of iced tea at a mm. cheesecake factory. Mm. I'm going cross arm over the top. 
while at the restaurant. Yeah. He's starting to deteriorate a little bit as they move through the Jeffrey's tubes. Fucked up enough that Janeway does that thing where she's got to leave behind a soldier on the battlefield. Yeah, she's got to go ahead for medical supplies and come back. And uh, as in any horror film, when uh, when two people split up, that's curtains for one of them. Yeah, I mean, Neelix starts having sex in this Jeffrey's <laughs> tube, and you know the monster's <laughs> going to come out and get him for doing yeah. that. And um, we finally get to see one of these things. I mean, I think we saw like a limb in the turbo lift, mm-hmm. but... Uh, we, we get to see one coming down the, the shaft, and it's got three kind of squid tentacle-type arms. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have wings. Like It sounds to me like flies flying around, but we don't actually see what's making that. There's an intense moment where Janeway is hearing but not seeing the trauma being visited on Neelix. And it made me wonder, like, why don't the Jeffrey's tubes on the ship have the ladders of the type where you slide down them, like in submarines? I thought the same thing. Because she's got to, like, hand over hand, foot over foot it, yeah. going up. And when you when she's going up, I didn't notice. But when she needs to go down, yeah, oh, she slow. is so slowed up by that. So fucking slow. Yeah. So she comes back, and there's just a Jeffrey's tube with, like, a snail trail down it yeah. of goo and no Neelix. Yeah. So she she is now alone, and the next like several minutes of the episode are wordless Janeway. Like it's very little dialogue for kind of a long time. I love this pivot that the episode takes. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It's really fun. Like like Neelix and Janeway having a conversation between the two of them, I think, was a smart choice in the script to kind of get us up to speed about what's going on. But now that Neelix is gone and letting Kate Mulgrew just do the acting of somebody that is alone in a scary situation is such a power move that this show has in its quiver. This episode uses all kinds of storytelling methods to get us through it. And I'm glad its first technique is wordless. Like later on, we get some voiceover. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. But for right now, I love being just present in the silence of this thing. It's great. And she has made decisions that change what her goals are without announcing them out loud. Like, she's no longer trying to get to the bridge. She shows up in engineering. That's not articulated at all. Like, you just have to trust that the captain knows what she's doing. And what she's doing is finding a crate full of, like, Rambo equipment and getting into pizza oven killing mode. Was that crate always there? (laughs) It's not where I would keep the armory. Hey, uh, let's put the uh, box full of grenades and guns right next to the warp core where we do our experiments on robots. I've got to admit to you, because I thought about it so long, the very real desire to get a KJ Pipes scene here. Uh I wanted to see the captain's vest. I wanted to see some badass costuming. And I got it here. She's sweaty because of the increasing heat on the ship. Yeah. And, uh, boy, this is awesome. She's got an action backpack. She's got an action ponytail. She's got an action phaser rifle. And she keeps it moving. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, 
we never see this, but they mention that some of the crew wound up hiding in a cargo bay. Mm -hmm. And I have to assume that they had her go find this in engineering because they didn't want to have it in a cargo bay because then she would find people too early. Yeah. You have to write it that way. Yeah. So she makes it up to the bridge and she's like doing computering and putting out a distress signal and trying to get power started. I love how there's alien snot everywhere but the carpet. <laughs> yeah, all the hard, squeegeeable surfaces have snot. <laughs> you check yourself into a hotel room that looks like this. You almost can't be too disgusted by it. I'd be almost impressed. Like, nothing hit the floor? Wow. It's all walls? <laughs> nice. I've been, I've been in a hotel room like that before. <laughs> <laughs> You've made a hotel room that before. Yeah. I got it all over the window and the walls. This bridge is deserted, Ben, which made me wonder, had one of these bugs thrown a banana split at her, would she also be deserted in that way? It's mm. <laughs> <laughs> a good question, Adam. All right. I think everybody's glad you asked it. <laughs> I don't know the answer. It's not as deserted as it looks. Because uh, we kept we keep getting the POV of something buzzy, and you think she's going to turn around and see something big like what Neelix saw, but she turns around a couple of times and doesn't make whatever is yeah. uh, watching her until it stings her. And she slaps it, and it's like a little guy. It's a little bug. It's interesting to notice what visual language has taught us for decades, which is... Fisheye lens means mm -hmm. big, and wide-angle lens means small. It, it definitely throws you off, and the and the earlier encounter that Neelix has th throws you off as well. And uh, it's hard to feel like she's in too much trouble because she gets bit, but she slaps the thing really quickly and waves a light over it, and she's she's off doing new stuff. <laughs> the black light on her arm is like doesn't show much, and she's like. Excellent. That is not come. <laughs> I wasn't in this filthy hotel room for too long. <laughs> um, she heads down to Neelix's restaurant, and this just fucking got me ripshit. Like, if you're sick, don't go to a restaurant. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Yeah, guys. and look at all of them in there. Like, the fucking first officer is sick, and he goes out to eat? He doesn't look as bad as Ensign Kim, who looks like he got really freshened up. Yeah. She waves the black light on him, and that's yeah. that's come. <laughs> she could do that at any point in any episode, though, and that would probably be the result. Yeah. The guy knows how to party. Yeah. She gets in a phaser fight with, with one of these things and shoots it, and that sucker blows real big. Yeah, it's tentacles all over the place. Gross. After she kills the big critter, she rolls Chakotay over and finds that uh, he has... It's not quite a nubbin. It's like a, it's like a big sore on his neck. This and is great makeup work. It is so it's gnarly. So good. It's like a great combination of makeup work and digital effects because little flies come out of it. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's not <laughs> like, lit super hot, so yeah, it's it's nicely obscured. It is like inching up to a remic level of disgusting though yeah yeah it's great this was exactly the moment in the episode you probably thought it was a lot sooner than i did where i thought where is the emh 
Yeah. Why wouldn't he be your first call? I think that the one major plot hole in this episode is that they don't even attempt to contact the EMH. Yeah. I guess you could hand wave it with the like bioelectric field messing up the sensors. Maybe it messed up internal comms too, but mm-hmm. I just wish that they'd said something about it. Maybe they didn't. I just missed it because I was writing notes or whatever. But uh, she makes it down to Six Bay and uh, gets a dustbuster in her nose for her trouble. Captain, needless to say, I, I thought you were something else. He's like defending Six Bay, which has remained uninfected, and he's really happy to see her. He brings her in, and she's got a lot of injuries. He's got to do minor surgery on some broken bones. And so while. She is uh, lying down on the bio bed, getting patched up. He tells her the story of what happened with the ship ever since she left. Yeah, so we pivot into a different style of storytelling via flashback and voiceover. God help you! They get a FaceTime from a mining colony. Um, These aliens looked a lot like Tosk from uh, DS9. They're like, yeah, we've got some kind of virus. It's not like a huge deal, but if you could send some help, that would be pretty great. And the EMH is like, hey, I'm um, in a position to go down on an away mission now, and I'm also not going to be susceptible to this virus because it's a biological agent. So why don't you send me and uh, nobody on the ship has to worry about getting infected? Great idea. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Tremendous idea, but um, also a guy that has never been on an away mission before. So there's a lot of like first timer energy from the doc as he does this over explaining everything he's doing on the open comms channel that regulation says they're supposed to maintain. He tells Chakotay uh, where he's going to walk, where he's walked, and where he just walked. <laughs> Chakotay's like, that's not what talking dirty is, (laughs) doctor. And the doc finds a miner down there. And by that, I mean like a a miner who is like getting getting rocks and stuff, not a kid. The baby's not in the episode. And this miner has one of those festering neck wounds in, and is in really bad shape. So, like, the it's funny, like, the, the tonal pivot goes from, ha the doc is oversharing his away mission information to, oh, my God, this is so gross. We're seeing yeah. neck wounds again. Yeah. The miners at this point are really desperate for help. Like, they are begging to be taken back to the ship, and the doc kind of flies off the handle at Chakotay when Chakotay says that he's not going to entertain the idea of beaming a bunch of sick people up to the ship with an unknown disease. This is another part of the episode that's really atonal too, right? Like, like this is an awful threat that we're witnessing, and the doc's reaction is one of excitement as a scientist. Right, excitement, and also, like, he is, he is like, failing to factor in the safety of his crew in his eagerness to help these sick people this is heartbreaking because the doc is down here basically on a battlefield like yeah. wanting to bean people up and chakotay is like you know we can't do that man we can't beam up a virus of unknown origin back to the ship that's how you, how you get phaged you want to get phased no one wants to get phaged up here so they beam the doctor back up alone but some of the virus gets into the transporter buffer in this beam up like it was in the air and he wasn't quick enough like purging whatever 
the transporter got. So unknown to everybody on the ship, it's already on the ship. And the doctor is like working on an anti-serum for this virus. But isn't it cool, though, that like it really plays with your expectation of threat, though, because when the doc beams up, he's like, oh, I got I got some of that shit on me. But the but the buffer got it. So we're fine. But yeah. it, but we aren't fine because the buffer actually helps the thing spread. It was a fun bit of uh, like you think you're safe, but you're not. This virus is somehow able to move around in the computer system, too. Yeah. So, yeah, the doctor's got 12 hours of work to do on the anti-serum, and they're going to go do their rendezvous, pick up Janeway and Neelix. And, and we cut down to Neelix's restaurant where Tom Paris has been substitute chef in Neelix's absence. He really got into the weeds here. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that it would be possible for Paris to do worse than Neelix. But he's blaming his equipment, which I think is fair. I mean, he lost an entire burner situation. Mm. A poor workman blames his tools, Adam. I think when uh, they're Neelix's tools, it's okay. Yeah. It's that's fair. fair. A, a good workman blames Neelix's tools. Yep. That's the adage, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> the other half of it. Um, so he gets he wants BLT to fix the replicator because... They're not going to be able to eat uh, prepared food. And he's kind of a dick to her about this. I couldn't tell if he was like trying to flirt and missing or just being an asshole. But uh, she opens up the panel and they find one of these gel packs. And it's a it's a sick gel pack. And it uh, it squirts all over. Alana. It is a gooey react by BLT. And again, an instance of something alien shooting on someone and them not immediately reacting in a way, like trying to wipe it off. There's no, ah, get it off me, get it off me. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is just like acting for screen. Otherwise, yeah. it would just look weird. Back down in Six Bay, in, in the present tense, uh, the doctor finishes this story about how the, the virus started to spread to the crew and uh he says but anyways the great news is that i've uh, i've perfected the antigen and uh i'm pretty sure it works but i haven't even done like a phase one clinical trial and uh Catherine janeway is like well uh there's coffee and you're getting picked up she's gotten her her first dose and uh he continues his story about going to the mess hall and trying to figure out what's going on with BLT. This is when they realized that the virus was airborne and they try to quarantine deck two. The doc gets a sample of the virus and like tries to work on uh, addressing it with Kess. And this is when BLT's neck starts producing more viruses. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose. 
that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. This is the first time I've really put it together that the mess hall is right below the bridge, huh? Yeah, I think it is. And and on the same deck as Six Bay. I mean, when Neelix is cooking, do you think you smell mealtime on the bridge? (laughs) Do you think that's got to be annoying? I mean, it's actually kind of nice because we know that he will bring canapes up to the bridge. Canapes in my ass! You don't want those to travel for too long before people get a chance to eat them, you know? Plus, in a place where it must be so hard for the body to feel time, like in a circadian kind of way, 
Right. Like it might be nice to to be able to detect meal time just through smell. Keeps exactly. the day going by. Yeah. Yeah. So with the mess hall locked down, the doc brings back a sample of this stuff to Six Bay where he and Kess give it a look over, but it grows. It grows so fast that yeah. it does that thing where it busts out of the microscope Doctor. and starts flying around. Computer, a rectal level three force field around the microscope station. The first example of some pretty bad human on CG combat uh, in this scene where the doc tries to wrestle with this thing and, and hypo spray it. You're right. Pretty hit and miss with how the opticals work. Yeah. I think that object tracking algorithms just weren't that good in this era. So when his hand is moving around, the virus that's supposed to be in yeah. its grip underneath it is just not moving at the same in the same way. And so, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work. But um, yeah, the sh- the crew of uh, of Voyager is getting sicker and sicker. The doc is trying to help people in the mess hall and gets set upon by some huge viruses that like go after his hollow emitter. So he's got to run to the safety of the six bay. And it seems like he basically ran back there, finished up work on the serum. And that's when Janeway and he met up. So that brings the two timelines together. This is such a great combination of body horrors here because like, the thing that's really made me feel gross throughout the episode was the sound, but the sound combined with this virus thrusting its proboscis into <laughs> the doctor over and over again and missing and him dodging and stuff is just like, oh, it's such a gross combination. That's really sickening. Yeah. Um, so their plan is we're going to make two... Uh, canisters of aerosolized, weaponized anti-serum. We're going to take it down to environmental control and spread it throughout the ship. And we're going to split up to do it. So we have two chances of, of someone getting there. The doctor's idea for this is like really out there, though. He wants to put this into kind of a string of pearls configuration and then load it up into a rocket. <laughs> And then, like, set it up in a holodeck program of Alcatraz. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. It is the late 90s, though. Yeah, yeah. So that's what was cool at the time. What's wrong with these people, huh? I mean, grow up! Bit of levity here when Janeway and the Doc are moving through the Jeffries tubes, and the Doc makes a quip about not being able to find his way to his destination and just how complicated it is to navigate through those tubes on a Federation starship. Yeah. Did they get to this joke ahead of Galaxy Quest? Because I feel like this is a a bit that they have in Galaxy Quest also. Also, shouldn't he know everything? He shouldn't even ask the question. He's just doing it for lols, right? Maybe he knew as as a medical doctor that Janeway could use a little bit of lightening up. Yeah, feel like at least she has control over this knowledge of how to get around. Exactly, a little confidence booster. So Janeway is uh, is like in running combat, shooting down Jeffrey's tubes, killing multiple viruses, and the doctor really quickly is stuck hiding in a shuttle pod because he did not make it down to environmental control, and Janeway is going to have to finish the project. But she's setting up the aerosolized 
anti-serum when bangers start getting dropped on the ship. And you can guess who this is. It's the fucking Tac-Tac. Yeah, it's an attack-tac, a attack-tac. <laughs> it's an attack-tac? God it's damn it. It's an attack This guy vogues his explanation to Janeway about needing to control the virus outbreak by destroying all of its carriers. Voyager infected. We are purifying you. Yeah. And I guess in this way, the Tac-Tac are the daisy cutter at the beginning of Outbreak. <laughs> This is their strategy. It's really horrible to hear what happened to the mine. Yeah. (laughs) Those fucking poor guys. Yeah. Um, But she convinces him, like, give me one of my Earth hours to solve this problem before you destroy my ship, uh, which he's cool with. But unfortunately, in licking shots at her ship, he has destroyed environmental control. So Mm -hmm. she is not going to be able to use the original strategy to solve the problem. And the problem is also just that the virus has been replicating itself algorithmically, and there's like a million of them on the ship now, and they're all over. Like, it's very dangerous to move around. So how are they going to get the virus to all converge on one spot? I wish we had seen a composition just filled with these things. I understand why they couldn't do it, because it was so difficult to just make one look plausible. Yeah. But like to see what a swarm would have looked like, would have been good. Would have been great. But yeah, you're right. What are they going to do? They need to give them uh, a target. Yeah, like putting a piece of meat on a plate on a different picnic bench when you're having a hang in the park so that the hornets go over there and don't bother you. I'll do you one further, Ben. That same piece of meat wearing a thong with like a <laughs> couple of vented sides. Yeah. Our, our favorite holodeck partier is back. The yeah. guy with the side slit thong. And all of his bikini and brief-clad friends who are just trying to enjoy a nice tropical getaway when macroviruses come and swarm the hollow hunks and hollow babes. This poor guy with the thong, though, God, he just gets his meat hammered. Like, that's <laughs> all these viruses want. Yeah. It's like an ape that somebody tried to domesticate. It rips his dick off. <laughs> Right on camera. Probably the bloodiest thing we've seen on Voyager. That's too bad. Um, RSVP schlong thong. (laughs) So uh, Janeway starts the process back up in uh, environmental controls. She heads back down to the holodeck with a a bomb full of this anti-serum that she's going to throw in and explode the viruses. But just as she's doing it, uh, a virus attacks her, knocks her on the ground. Uh, Our second example of really bad human on CG combat. In college, we called this CGD. When we saw bad CG in a movie or a television show, sort for uh, computer-generated diarrhea. And that's really what this looks like. (laughs) You won't hear me saying anything bad about CGD, Ben. Uh, A Mm. frequent sponsor of the program being a, a purveyor. Of CGD. Yeah. I like it. It works for me. <laughs> I'd say that the one good moment of this is when she knifes it. Like, that part really worked. Like, it really looked like she stuck the knife into something substantial there. I read about how they did this, Ben, and it's exactly like what you'd think it is. It was a blue screen styrofoam ball that she uh-huh. stabbed a knife into. Like a, a styrofoam ball on a, on a fishing wire. Man, that part looked great. It did, and that's indicative of... 
of how these effects work best, right? It's always a mix of practical yeah. and effects. Right, exactly. So she throws the bomb into the holodeck. A huge green explosion takes place. They clear the ship of virus, and she says, hey, thanks, Tac-Tac. Purification will cease. My word. I am so glad they made the decision not to make Janeway do the voguing. Mm-hmm. It's funny when Neelix does it at the beginning of the episode, but I don't think there's any way for Janeway to recover as a character if she were to try to do that. Yeah. She does put her hands on her hips after they sign off. Yeah. Pretty good. They know what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like hanging the phone up and then going like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so the button on the episode is in uh, Janeway's ready room, and Chakotay enters none worse for the wear his neck looks fine yeah he's got the minutes from his personnel meeting and repairs are underway ship's gonna be fine the crew's gonna be fine and janeway turns down an invitation to go into the holodeck for some skiing yeah claiming that she's a little sore from her experience shooting all those aliens and it is a extremely oddball ending to yeah. this thing like when when she stretches her neck i was programmed to look at her neck and see if there was a sore on it with flies coming out like it right, felt yeah it, like like one of those like like the end of the horror movie yes. indicating that the horror is not over moments the end of the thriller video type right. of ending here that we didn't right. get <laughs> and that's just me projecting on the episode the episode did fine it did fine these are my expectations well, how fine did it do, Adam? Did it rise to the level of you liking this episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I really like this episode, and I even like the effects, and here's why. I feel like you can, if you were to sketch this thing out, the, the macro virus, mm-hmm. and, uh, and pre-visit and start comping it in what you get here is good enough and where where they compensate for the lack of effects quality they make up for in in all of the other ways you can make something gross through sound and through uh penetration really (laughs) like it's the fly sound and it's this fucking spear that it's got (laughs) those things are the the word you used proboscis yeah like, it's the jangly keys that cover up the best they could do in 1996. And yeah. that's kind of a miracle. And that's totally. what makes me totally get with the horror of this episode. I love a horror episode in Star Trek, and I really loved Janeway's hero turn here. Uh, it's a totally different version of her than we've seen before. She yeah. is super heroic this season. Season three is the season of Janeway. Because we're getting every different flavor of how she can command. And it's great work by Kate Mulgrew. And, I mean, another episode that makes me just really love Janeway all the more. She's just a great, great captain. I agree. I I think that, you know, while the effects don't look as good as they would if they were done on Discovery today, this episode is a ton of fun. And I also respected that they didn't decide to throw the episode keys to the doctor at the midpoint like 
it sort of becomes the doctor's episode for a second and as he's recounting the story to Janeway. And I was like, okay, so logically they've just handed the baton off to him and he's going to mm-hmm. be the person that does the rest of the saving of day. Mm-hmm. And it would even make sense from a writer's room standpoint. Like, okay, the doctor can move around now. Let's give him a save the ship episode to to really hang a lantern on. What a difference it makes if the doctor is immune to certain things the way the rest of the crew is not and instead they they chose to make the virus a like it's still a threat to him it's not the same kind of threat but Mm -hmm. it's a threat nonetheless and so yeah it it stays Janeway's episode and she's fucking badass I agree fun times fun times well do you want to see if there's anything fun in the priority one inbox Adam watch out for the tentacles from the priority one inbox Ben Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first message here is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. Big Rod saw hope in humanity where, when he conceived Star Trek. Can you believe this was a novel idea at the time? Sure you can, because it still is. I spent 2020 watching TNG and Voyager, asking myself, is a little hope in these times too much to ask for? Fast forward to 2021, I'm writing the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, when suddenly I become addicted to The Greatest Generation. Somehow, even with Ben and Adam distracting me, I managed to produce a free audiobook. Listen at sonoflpodcast.com. A story about hope for all life everywhere. Wow. So this is a free audiobook in the form of a podcast, the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, sonoflpodcast.com, and it's spelled E-L, so sonoflpodcast.com. Right. It's not, uh, it's not like a Spanish-speaking podcast like Son of El Podcast. Right. No. That's not what this means at all. Stop trying to put it in that box. That's not the box it goes in. Everyone's writing books, Ben. We're we're hearing this all the time. Yeah. Meanwhile, I can't get through 10 minutes of an edit without clicking open Twitter and <laughs> flipping around <laughs> like a maniac. Yeah. Good job getting things done, Isaac Bluefoot. Yeah. That sounds like a great podcast. I'm very curious about the uh, the life and times of Clark Kent. Ben, our second priority one message is from Zach Brager. It is to Adam and Ben, and the message goes like this. Wow, 350 characters doesn't cover as much as I'd hoped it would. I'd wanted to tack this on after my Guinan is a villain question, but ran out of room. I got into (laughs) TGG right after you finished TNG and started DS9, and despite the blow to my sanity, I've never regretted the decision. (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks to TGG, my work week starts on a high note. Oh, thanks, Zach. I love it. Zach crawling back in our P1s. <laughs> nice work. Yes. Sliding into the P1s like. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, our final P1 is from She Who Does Burlesque, and it is to You Know Who You Are. And the message is Send Nudes. Send Nudes. Yeah. She who, who does burlesque would like you know who you are to send nudes. She who does burlesque also a frequent creeper into our P1s. Yeah. Hey, here's what I'd recommend. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. 
Best get on those nudes. Get them sent. Make sure it's nicely lit, you know? That doesn't just mean bright light, it means tasteful light. Don't depend on Louis DeJoy's postal service to get those nudes to She uh, Who Does Burlesque either. Right, yeah. Maybe send them uh, FedEx or something. Uh, if you'd like to get a priority message, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Fill out the form, pay the money, and get your message on the show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I feel bad because, like, I don't want to make Neelix or BLT the Shimoda just for doing something that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean just, like, having shit shot all over you and not really <laughs> reacting to being covered in shit. Yeah. Who does that? But mm. I think I'm going to split them between the two. Split my wow. Shimoda between the two because that is just not realistic to me. Kind of a half half and half Shimoda, huh? Yeah, and neither of them really give the full react to their circumstances. Yeah. In BLT's defense, maybe she's, like, that's the warrior instinct. Right. Yeah, that uh, uh, she's got the gramba to just let that goo sit on her hand for as long as it needs to be there. Yeah, but there's nothing about what we know about Neelix that would telegraph that he would be brave while being covered in alien snot. Yeah, he should have been running around going, ew, ew, gross. Yeah, he he should want to throw himself off of one of those Jeffrey's tube ladders. Yeah. My Shimoda is Tom Paris, just for the way he treats BLT when she comes into the restaurant. Yeah. Like, I understand he's, like, stressed out in the kitchen, and sometimes people lash out when they're under pressure. But I just don't think that that's a, a nice way to treat your coworker, Tom Paris. I mean, BLT throws that shit right back in his face, though, but... Yeah. She gives as good as she gets, but she didn't deserve it, you know? You brought up the question earlier as we w- were talking about it, in the yet but like you wonder if this was flirtatious it was so yeah it it's like a it's like a kid on a playground yeah. being mean to a girl because he doesn't understand his feelings for her right yeah felt that way for sure objection noted we'll do this without well adam the next episode of star trek voyager is season three episode 13 fair trade Voyager encounters a region of space named the Necrit Expanse. Since Neelix has no knowledge about space after this point, he tries to make himself useful to the crew by trying to obtain a map from an old friend named Wixaban, who in exchange asks for Neelix's help with some less than reputable dealings. This is probably the episode where they should just let Neelix off, right? Like, (laughs) you got us up to this stop, Neelix. Thanks for everything. It's like when you're hitchhiking and somebody can get you, like, part of the way. Yeah. 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 They can get you to Reno, but no further. Yeah. Well, that's the anxiety that this poor guy will be dealing with. Um, wow. Looking forward to it. Um, also looking forward to seeing how we will be doing it. For that, we'll head to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. Currently, our runabout is on square 44, and this is a rare scenario, Adam. There are two Coco Nonos we could hit on this roll. Whoa. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. This is like one of the only positions on the board where that's possible. If you roll a two or a five. Yeah, the five is, of course, a space butthole that will take us down to uh, the second row. That's what my money's on. Second (laughs) row, baby. (laughs) 
spent an awful lot of time there lately, so wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Oh my god, I've rolled a one. Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. Keeping Coco no no likelihood for next week's Saving roll. it for me. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Good job by you. That's just you stretching the taffy, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of suspense building up in the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the show this week. Uh, we'll be doing a normal episode next week. In the meantime, if you like the show, hey, consider rating and uh, reviewing us on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps us get the show in front of other people. If that's Overcast that you're using, hit the little star under the episode. If it's Apple Podcasts, maybe leave a five-star review. If you just listen on the website, maybe um, go find a friend that you think might like the show and recommend it to them. Hey, maybe you're a writer and you have a, a blob where you like to write your thoughts. Maybe you review things there. Yeah. Uh, maybe you, you could review the show like that. A long-form article. Maybe you work for a major publication. Right. If you get us in front of millions of new viewers, potentially. Yeah. What's stopping you? Maybe you've got a BuzzFeed game to make based on <laughs> us and our characters. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun when we had a BuzzFeed game. All of those things would be greatly appreciated. We uh, hugely appreciate the efforts of Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program, and of Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who makes all of the trading cards about the show, and he also maintains the at greatest trek official social media accounts of this show on Instagram and Twitter. It's a great place to make some friends. Yeah, we're starting to do audiograms, so if you see one of those on the uh, on the social media, share that. Share it with friends. Yeah, Say, that I makes like this it show. Here's yeah. some funny stuff they did. Yeah, it makes it way easier than just saying randomly that you like a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Sometimes that can be insufficient. It doesn't tell the whole story. This is the Star Trek podcast I like, specifically. The music you're hearing right now, by Dark Materia. The music you heard earlier, made by Adam Ragusea. Also true. Uh, He's probably busy making a souffle, or or cotton candy, or any one of a number of Miriam food experiments he does. Week to week on his mega popular YouTube channel. It's just amazing. Really is. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where I start to get a little bit insecure about whether I offer anything to the podcast anymore. And uh, hijinks ensue. Oh, Ben, you don't have to worry about that until your yearly review. Mm. That's in months and months. I'm made in the shade, baby. Uh, I don't know. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.